AKA Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another fabulous, but not so busy episode of Krakoa Radio. It is me, the Dowager of the Table Night. You're auspicious and very sexy and very tight and tender bottom. Him, himself. Just X Henry with my fellow co-host, Black Word. It's he who is never wrong. Um, Supreme twerker of the organization. The Shadow in the Nights. Uh, so many other names. I've come up with a new name. The Voice of the People. Uh, the Champion of Words. The Scribe Master of Table Dawn. Um, sorry, not Dawn. Dusk. I just woke up 40 minutes ago. You trying to be on my table like shit. Oh, I'll be <laughs> under your table all the time, though. Word um, is, uh, uh, Steve, that you're the Streetwalker Supreme. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Um, I'm always horny. I'm always on go. So it, it applies. Um, you know, if you have to rank our free levels across each one, I'm the academic hoe. Uh, I claim that, which means <laughs> I fuck on the regular. Um, well, not on the regular, but I want to. Oh, yeah, we have other people in the council. Uh, let's continue. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, welcome also, uh, to Win God Bate. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Table day, your region's here. I'm looking rough because I'm trying to grow this beard out, so hopefully I look like a zaddy here in a couple months. <laughs> zaddy, zaddy's a state of mind. I mean, look at Steven's beard. It is How do you know I have a beard? Oh, wait. I'm on facial hair. It's all I have you feel. I mean, if Stevie can feel like a zaddy with a struggle beard, you can too, Vonta. Thank you, you messy bitch. First of all, I'm 27 with a struggle beard. You want to talk about it? You're how old, Henry? First of all, I'm 42 with a full luscious beard, okay? The bitch I, is dry. I, I, I sucked a lot of dick for Dehydrated. Beard, okay? I sucked a lot of beard. It's, Maybe it's of you should conserve one nut. So you stay hydrated enough to grow that patchy shit out rather than come for me. First of all, first of all, we know your place and know your role. You're not a strong reader, Henry. Oh, they're done. They're done. They're done. They're done. They're done. <laughs> then why they're is done. your eyebrows fading? Fading like because they're graying, you bastard. That's a sad story. One I can't relate to. So we're moving to another wow. plot and drop that book. Wow. And then our fourth host. <laughs> I'd like to also add the title Serial Ages to uh, Stephen Underwood, uh, also known as Black Word. Also but you didn't say ugly. Supreme. But you did not say ugly. And, that's and then our fourth host. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We've been so interrupted um, by Stephen today. Stephen's horny. Omega um, level ego over here. And uh, very charming and, you know, very amazing and very, you know, a gentle soul. With a gentle pole. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't nothing gentle over here. I'm the leader of the great ring, the winner's table, you know, where the girls stay winning. Stay. 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 We'll get into that this week. (laughs) <laughs> All right, today we're discussing uh, Knights of X number four and Judgment, oh, Avengers X-Men Eternals X Judgment Day number one. Uh, the title so, of this issue this week is going to be called Parabellum. I declared it. 
What does that even mean? Parabellum means uh, prepare for war. It's one part of a longer Latin quote. They used it in John Wick 3. Latin is a dead language. It's That's the weird thing is, <laughs> yes, but also not technically. No, you just no, said I'm that to a, a literature major. You know that, Henry. I was going to make me do something with my brain. I, I, um, I, I, I try, that's your kryptonite. I'll try to upset you. <laughs> listen, it's, it didn't upset me. I was like, I went into academic mode. I was like, seriously, yes and no. And I almost went to a lecture. Don't do that. <laughs> we don't want smart Steven here. We want playful Steven. Yes, playful Steven. Um, so speaking of playful, um, uh, what is everybody's scores for the week on this? Well, should write to Knights of X? Uh, no, Knights of X. X is um, first. We don't do any. We do foreplay before. You don't just stick it in, okay, Henry. Okay, oh, my well, God. I was all, dry as all, shit, and you didn't, I, like, get me ready. You didn't, like... All, I use spit. <laughs> I don't need much. I'm 40 years old. You know, the grip is eh. <laughs> Baby, stop playing. I have good pussy. I have receipts. Showtime's face are... looking so horrified as if we don't talk like this every week. Because <laughs> no, Showtime doesn't like, like fighting to get his Using spit is losing terrorism. It's what? <laughs> using spit is lube is terrorism. Okay, it well, is. Let's talk, well, let's talk, that's like let's using. That's not even kick. That's not even kick. That's worse. Okay, well, let's that's talk some about human mini. shit. That's about many I ran between my legs. Okay, um, I don't know. I'm gonna say something problematic. Is it problematic? I don't think it's problematic. I'm gonna say something that's preferentially problematic for me. For some reason, when a guy fucks me with spit, it feels like we're in a relationship and that he loves me. And that I'm his only one, but that's the toxic Pisces in me. So, um, yeah, when you spit on me, that makes you like, oh, like, you really love me. And this one guy that I fucked a few weeks ago, it's probably been over a month now. But, like, he used spit and, and had me a missionary, and I was so turned on, and I think went right in. I don't know what the fuck was going on that night, but... <sighs> <laughs> This secondary mutation you have is quite odd. Um, I just like it because, like, but then I get wet too. So, like, it's not like I like my, like my pussy's like higher functioning. So, I was just really just hoping, like, but like, but it just, it just, I don't know. It because I have a okay, so I have a real problem with sex. Okay, so I really like to live the fantasy that this is my man. When I, you know, like when we're done, like we're done, like we're not judging you in public. The, the feeling doesn't go past that. But when I have sex, I am like, this is my husband. And I think about our family and our kids. And I have really bad fantasies going on in my head when I'm like having sex. And it's just like, I was like, oh my God, like, what do the kids walk in? And he finds daddy inside of me. And we have to, and we have, oh, we have to hurry up because we have to make dinner or make it to the show. We're so told the family, we're going to meet them all to see Wicked. Or like, we're in the bathroom at my mom's house. And, and like, we're having sex real quick, and he's, like, using spit because, like, there's nothing else to do but blue magic hair grease. And my mom would be so mad to use the blue magic hair grease. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, okay, I'm going to get this. It's just got worse than Blue magic hair grease, of all the things, blue magic hair grease. I'm just going to get my, the crisp. Oh, that I used her blue magic or, like, her pink lotion. She would know. I don't want them to know that. So, like, we're using the pink sauce. Yeah, and so the water's running ill. No, mm-hmm. that pink sauce would never be in this house. 
Um, the pink sauce like, is secretly just for me here. <laughs> every gay man has toxic fantasies. Sexual minds require consent. It does not allow incest or children or things that require like people who cannot give consent. I don't fantasize about sleeping with cousins or relatives ill, but mm-hmm. I do fantasize about sex where we're in love. I think that's even more toxic than anything. Or that we're having sex, not like in a really like super public place like the park. Like everybody fucks in a park. That's nothing new. But like you're I mean, that's your quirky character, you know, thing. Like, you know, every villain kind of has like a little quirky thing. You're like the romancers, you know? That's your Yes, yes, that's my evil. That's your thing. Like Harley Quinn's insane. Uh you know Poison Ivy is a lesbian. <laughs> that's that's what makes someone villain to Steven, really. That's her, no, literally, because you look at Poison Ivy, you're like, you're not really a villain. Like, because she's not. Uh, and then we go like, yeah, she's so psychotic. And I was like, because she's gay? Because <laughs> yeah, like, she kills people for the earth. I'm like, so do other anti-heroes. But, like, she's not a, not insane. Why are you sending her to fucking... Um, yeah, like, Arkham. she's really an eco-terrorist. She's really not evil, and she's really not wrong, either. She should be in Arkham. Like, she should be in yeah, Bell really maybe, but yeah. not Arkham. But she's not crazy. She's pretty sane. Quite sane. Almost too sane. She says, the Earth is in jeopardy. She's like Gaia from Captain Planet if Gaia was on her shit. Yeah. She's the, the avatar of the green now that um, it's no longer Swamp Thing. Did, I read the first issue of Poison Ivy. I think she lose that status. Now she's walking around with like chemicals and spraying niggas down and shit. Um, well, I'm not it's, reading her book, so it's really beautiful though. I think you like it. I think it's a very beautifully illustrated, nice story. She broke up with Harley Quinn um, because she, Harley didn't ask for her consent on whether or not she would want to be resurrected without her powers. And I really affirm that kind of decision making in books, especially when like. Characters have powers that are a core part of their personalities, like that. Like, I've never not had a connection to the earth and cut that off. That's like you amputated a necessary sense for me. It's like if Tempo lost her powers and she could no longer feel the time stream, she would feel some type of way about that. It's like it's like if Black Word lost his mouth and he was not able to talk. Actually, I could be fine without talking. If I lost my ability to read, that would actually <laughs> devastate me. What now? The question is, what throat? Wow. That's why the tops ask me. Okay, moving on. Knights of X. (laughs) Oh, do you want to do, do you want to talk about Black Panther real quick? We have a moment. Is this because you also, I saw you commented on the TikTok. Oh, no, I saw no. you. Okay, first of all, first that of all, shit was fuck fucking him. insane. That was yeah, stupid. All, fuck him. That was I nice was cuss a friend out for sending me that. No, I like really fuck him. But the the trailer for the movie was phenomenal. I almost cried last night while I was drunk at a party. It was not mm-hmm. great. Yeah. All my friends took a moment to open up our phones and play Black Panther. Um, as soon as we start talking about it, the same friend I was just talking about who I'm mad at because they sent me it. Start saying my mistake of never touching this topic again. LOL. Yeah, learn your lesson. If you don't know what happened, someone on TikTok was like, You should remove Storm from the X-Men. Um, after it was like literally after the trailer dropped. So as a result of the trailer, people started talking more about Storm and T'Challa's relationship. 
you know, the casuals who don't read X-Men comics and only really read Black Panther books and not all of them, just like the recent shit. And so right. they took this beautiful moment, just like the recast Chala fuck it, to ruin it for everyone. Ruin. Ruin. That, that, and and the thing is that, like, once I saw your video, I had to go into a whole, like, I had to go to, like, a rabbit hole to take it all the way back to the beginning about why we were here in the first place. There's always my question. And I'm just like, this is just dumb. Like, it's like, you don't understand that intrinsically Storm's identity is linked around her, her race, her gender, and her mutant abilities. And her the X-Men are her family. Those royal people don't know shit about Storm. And they always, and they always try to make it look like, like, like they also make like to talk like the Ke- the Kevin Samuels of like the the black community. Like he's always like he can't do no wrong. This man annulled their fucking marriage without telling them, without telling her, and then had an unmitigated goal to put one of her people as a sleeper agent in her country. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really on some fuck the cop the Chala shit. And also, Vita Ayala agrees with me that if you think the recast T'Challa people should stay, fuck you too. Uh, fuck them. They're assholes. That trailer was beautiful. You don't need T'Challa in the MCU. I would like him. I don't really care either way. I've said this before. If they recast him, cool, great. You get what you want. I hope that makes you act better in this fandom and towards this character, towards his history. Um, and not like you have exclusive rights to feel a way about the character. Um, if they don't, haha, fuck you. You didn't get what you wanted. You didn't deserve it. Yeah, I really did. I really didn't care either if they recasted him or not either. All I think that I was focused on is that we got a good explanation and great storytelling, and that it continues to be the best Marvel character brand that goes on right now in MCU because to, because Black Panther is their best movie. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of cannot fuck that up. But it's like I just hope that whatever decision that they made was a great decision for the entire scope of the Black Panther world and and his space in the MCU. Whatever but like the decision. whole I, Yeah. But, but with that trailer that I watched, um I was I was hoping that I did I I wasn't the only one that was thinking this. Do you think that they reprised Michael B. Jordan's role that he was so I traumatized by? I don't think they ever <laughs> were I always thought he was coming back. That he was in. Before Chadwick passed, I always knew, like, he's not dead. Like, there's some parts of it I was watching, I was like, it doesn't feel like he's really dead. Like, how they went about it, how they kind of just carried on, despite the impact Killmonger's decision had on the state of Wakanda. I was like, it don't feel like he's dead. It feels like they're telling everyone he's dead, but he's not. Um, Oh, sorry. I'm done. Uh, Oh, no, I was going to say, because this character... So I was gonna say because his character has that ability to resurrect, and I think he gets stronger every time. I think that's what it is in the, um, in the comics. I don't know if they're gonna use that in the MCU, but let's say Killmonger too. Killmonger's a mutant. Let's just say it. Let's just do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Killmonger's a mutant. Oh, no. He can't die. Can we, we not? As long as there's one black man, <laughs> one black person buried at sea, <laughs> Killmonger can return from the dead. <laughs> Killmonger is the king of the dead. So he's a mutant eternal. Yeah, external. That's, that's what you call that. That's I'm what we call that. An ex-eternal. Nothing. Nothing. 
Showtime. Oh, now the best four. <laughs> Showtime just wants us to move on. All right, Knights of X4. How do we feel about Knights of X4, everyone? I didn't read it, but I didn't read it, but gay rights. I give it um 7.5 gay butterflies kissing. I give it an eight. I was actually, I was actually very, very, um, and I've really enjoyed this issue. Is that I that really enjoyed did, it. What was your rating? I said eight. Uh, eight. As if I didn't enjoy it, I don't know what was going on. I'm, I was really happy reading it, but I think as the days went by, um, a lot of the feelings that I had was just towards the one moment in particular, um. And towards like specific characters getting like their big like this is my emotional moment. I think I really uh, was hoping to see apocalypse in this issue, and I just did. And so I think it's literally his hand. Yeah, his hand. And but that's not really him either. Yeah. I don't know. I, I did like enjoy this. us finally seeing Mercator, both the character and the the land. Mm-hmm. Which is also the siege perilous. Yep. And I'm really wondering where this Ascani thing is going with Rachel. I hope that becomes her new code name moving forward because Prestige, you can keep yeah, it. That was so yeah. I'd rather have that. But you know what she reminds me of with this new uh, flaming ability she has? She reminds me of that character um, um, she's Noah, in a way. It's because she's gay. <laughs> Yeah, like definitely. The flaming homosexual. Uh <laughs> who makes out with her girlfriend finally. Praise the Lord. Glad we can stop being tense and suggestive. I now think y'all that's why just, y'all girlfriends. I think that's why y'all I can't relate time. to the issue as much as because I don't know the full history of their romantic subtext. I don't know how long it's lasted. Um, I know I, I heard from through podcasts like they fought for this, and I, I agree with Vidya Ayala when they said that you know at times like this when there's big queer or like progressive or inclusive moments in comics, um, we attribute that to the comic company and not towards one writer fighting nonstop to make sure that the representation they want to tell and have is included. So, like, we can say, people go like, oh, DC Comics has, like, static and everyone, but it don't bring up the fact that Milestone Comics had to do what it did for static to even exist. Or you could talk about, like, the changes to Black Panther's character, but not the story of uh, Christopher Priest and, like, everyone else on that team, like, what happened during the creation of that comic and afterwards. Like, there's lots of aspects to these that go on behind the scenes that, like, is uh is emblematic of authors and writers trying to tell a story that is worthy of their respect for the industry and the characters and for the representation that needs to be there. Um that being said, very gay kiss. Um who do you think do you think they're both first? Who's who's the top? I I don't I don't feel like Betsy's very the top. clearly Rachel's the top. Yeah, I was gonna say uh, yeah, I was gonna say Rachel's definitely giving top vibes. So um I could see maybe I can, or I'll give Rachel maybe a verse top. I'd give her maybe a verse top. 
maybe a first time. She may want she may she may want to get poked by Betsy Cycle Blade every now and then. I'll give her that. Just like her mama. It's just, wow. just like her mama. Jean Grey's a top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She got her daddy personality, but she is absolutely her mama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very beautiful. Um that being said, I don't know what to make of the storyline so far. I know we finally got to the Siege Perilous. They're trying to figure out what they can do with it. Merlin ran away like a little bitch. Arthur is trapped in his own nightmares. Some sorcerer dude just walked up to um, Mordred and is just like, hey, I'm your homie. And I think they're setting up Mordred to be a villain in the next arc. That would I don't be know. I'm really wondering where have him be. become a uh, hero to then become a villain again. Yeah, I don't know, because they're going like big on this. Like, oh, they, my friends here don't even accept me. I'm like, you just met them. Like, there hasn't been any bonding moments. You haven't really stopped. I've been in the middle of a battle, like nonstop, for us to even like. You haven't even had more than like what five panels of lines. We don't even know what your power is. Right. You just got here. I'm I'm interested to see uh, if they bring in. Um, uh, the new Black Knight, who's uh, a mutant. Mm-hmm. Um, what's her name? Jackie or Jax Chopra? Dave mm-hmm. Whitman's half daughter or daughter? I don't know how to fucking describe that. Half daughter. <laughs> I don't know, child. I was someone a half daughter. Half mutant daughter is what I meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think we're done with Knights of X. <laughs> there we are. That was great. That's enough of that. So let's talk about the thing we really want to talk about. What we all really came here for today. Yeah. I have to X, uh, judgment say day something. Number one. Tens. Tens across the board for me. This shit was a lit. I actually give it a nine. 9.5. 9.5. Now, despite giving it a 10, <clears throat> despite giving it a 10, we got to discuss the racial elephant in the room. <laughs> What's the racial elephant in the room? The, and yet another Iraqi uh, mutant genocide and um, the feelings a lot of Black people have right now about watching something they really identify with go through that uh especially so soon after the uncanny x-men's whole situation of like we're gonna just do a lot of massacring and horrible shit i don't know people i I saw people getting mad um at readers for having the emotional reactions that we were expected to have you know that's the whole point of depicting it like that was we're supposed to feel away versus other people just going like i can feel this way and also enjoy the comic book I think Uranus, Uranus, however the fuck you say his name, just killed most of the Great Ring. That's what I think happened. I don't think he did anything else. He had an hour to kill at least nine um, Omega-level mutants, none of whom can back up and be resurrected. And Magneto was one of them because wasn't his helmet there? And so was Storm. No, she wasn't. She wasn't. Storm wasn't on the planet. 
That issue, uh, the, the moment where Storm and Magneto stand together and they make the decision that Storm would go to the Quiet Council and Magneto would go up to the Great Ring and represent her um, and her interests oh, in the vote. he took Cable with him. He took Cable, her. not Storm. And I, I specifically noticed that because they put it in, I know specifically, it was a very much an editorial going, do not murder us. We did not kill Storm. They made that known. They knew. <laughs> they knew um, because if they put Storm up there and they have to kill her, it doesn't matter. It's going to take the review of the book if you kill Storm. Like, it's just the truth. You can't really. Plus, they're doing that whole she's undying thing with her right now. So, like, they even in this in this run, they can't kill her specifically. Um, well, at least but fundamentally, I didn't get the instinct that only the Great Ring died in that. Because, like, the whole pitch. Because, Henry, did you read um, at least The Heretics, uh, Eternals Run? Where are you in your catch-up? No, Eternals? I can't. Okay, so, like, I went to the comic book store. So I went through three stores. And, and the stores didn't really have anything, like, at all. So I have to go to the outlet store. I'm about to go next weekend and look again. Because, like, um, the stores didn't have any inter- Eternal books whatsoever. Like, none. Yeah, they probably picked them up. Everyone probably swooped them up. Like, yeah, they're they gone. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go to the outlet store, which is only open on weekends. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. not gonna have time today. Cause I have a date later. But I don't. Yeah. Um... So essentially, um, as people might know, Uranus has his specialty, which is the Doomsday weapons of the Eternals. He is completely capable of devastating the planet by himself. He has killed entire cities um, with just a moment's glip, a glance. The whole boasting moment of him going, I can do horrible things to a planet in an hour. Um, I felt was them saying He's that Thanos he was going up there. He's Thanos is Thanos. Thanos is studying his rule book. He would be completely unimpressed with Apocalypse. He would be completely unimpressed with Nimrod. This motherfucker doesn't stick around. Um, so going up to a planet and genociding it in under an hour is completely possible with him. Um, and they definitely had the audacity to count down. I got ten seconds left. Ten. Nah. Nine. Like nigga. <laughs> remember who skull did he pick up? I think he picked up. That's cable skull. Oh, yeah, it was a techno. Yeah, that's what the techno organic virus is spreading across half of it. Disrespectful, <laughs> inconsiderate, blew it away along yeah, with the bug, virus, yeah. and then just walked away. Killed Grant galactic. though, so you know you get your clout points from that. That's a galactic bug right there. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of like daddy. <laughs> I gotta figure out like how he's rather attractive. Like, why is he attractive? He's more like Darkseid than Thanos ever could be. This is really terrifying about how he approaches. Good writing. I'm gonna applaud the writers. There's something Mm -hmm. terrifying about how he speaks and how he just doesn't care. And yet, because Thanos' problem has always been he takes too much glee in what he's doing. And you're like, okay, we get it. You're getting hard off this. It's like Uranus is the most in tune with the rules in his mind than anyone else. So he's very cold 
cockfooted and just like I see him becoming the uh I'm not forgetting names right now. Supercomputer motherfucker who um destroyed Brainiac. Krypton. Brainiac. Yeah, Brainiac. He's very much capable of becoming a Brainiac of the Marvel uh, Enterprise. I don't think I think even if they kill him, he's gonna pop back up in another two years. We haven't I mean, got a lot of eternal, groups. so he has yeah. to. Well, that's the question here, I think, is whether or not the eternal system will sustain itself after Judgment Day. It'll have to, because it's the Earth. It's literally the Earth. Not exactly. That's the question that they're, they're challenging, though, in Judgment Day, is can we change the system, A, to make them immortal or less immortal or keep their immortality, or B, um, do they just become mortal afterwards? <clears throat> This is an overall question. Meaning mortal is sort of takes the fangs out of this. Well, they didn't use the resurrect from what I could tell. Like the resurrection thing is a recent re-inclusion. Because like the whole thing about like them was that they're eternal because they live forever and they're really hard to kill. Um I gotta reread the older issues, but I don't remember them ever coming back to life. Like the first time um Bakari died. Yeah, because I remember that. I, I thought they destroyed their um, uh, resurrection process or something, didn't they? Right. And Cersei um, also died before as well. She went up to heaven, basically met the uh, the one above all. He was a bartender. He was talking with her. It was chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. He's like, yeah, this lecture's a dicking around right now. You guys might want to watch that. Um, and then she came back to life, but at the expense of later Makari dying permanently because Ajax killed him. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm using he, him pronouns because in that era, Makari was a man. Yeah, I remember that. I don't know. It's a very complicated like web of shit. I did appreciate Phoenix, the Phoenix Echo getting her look back on Cersei. That was a nice, that was a nice little punch he gave her. Um, that was beautiful. I'm happy they included it because I know that in the run, they're planning on doing something with the Phoenix Force and Jean Grey to reevaluate their relationship to each other. I think literally this is another thing that is impacted by Super Bowl Podcast. There's a lot of things in the comics today that gets impacted by writers listening to Super Bowl Podcast now and going, oh, maybe I should not have taken the Phoenix away from Jean Grey like that. Yeah, but I I don't I don't think but I think they needed they needed space. I think like because it was always so like Gene and the Phoenix, Gene and the Phoenix, Gene and the Phoenix, and they were so intermingled as characters that like <clears throat> it 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 muddies up like what the the Phoenix was intentionally meant for and how powerful the Phoenix is. And when you overuse something like that, it eventually gets dumbed down. And they were in a situation where a fe- the Phoenix gets killed. You're like, how did Gene Gray die? How, and that and that ended up happening in that in that book is uh, when she died years ago, over a decade ago. Like you're imbued with Phoenix abilities. How did you get killed so easily? Like, I think the separation was great. 
Yeah. And I, th- I, I have to agree because my thing was you never really, a lot of people, even people that are like, you know, not probably big readers on the comics, they always associated Jean Grey with the Phoenix. But you never really got a true, like, a true definition of Jean Grey's character, to, at least to me personally, until after, like, until like the Krakoan era, or excuse me, the X Men Red era, and you really got to understand Jean's character and what she stands for, and you know everything. So, if they are going to somehow reintroduce Jean Grey and the Phoenix to kind of like, I guess, address their relationship or whatever. And they decide to make kind of like put them back together again. I feel like you would. I feel like it would be better because you won't always necessarily tie Jean Grey to the Phoenix. It would just be Phoenix is just an addition to who she is, not right. You know, entirely who she is. You know what I'm saying? I I have a controversial um, opinion. Yay! I don't like Jean and the. I don't like Gene and the Phoenix together at all, actually. I would prefer the Phoenix with either Rachel or Hope. No, I I, yeah. I, I really think it should be with Rachel, honestly. Yeah, Rachel had, I keep saying, people was, and people gave me shit about that. I was like, because Rachel had better control. I'm like, um, she did. Rachel is the perfect Phoenix host. But Hope would make sense in that she is the Messiah of Mutant Resurrection. So if you give the Messiah of Resurrection the power of Resurrection on top of her um, uh, abilities with the with the five for the Resurrection Protocols, it would either way would uh, would tie out the metaphor for me either. Rachel is the perfect host, or the Resurrection uh, Queen is the Resurrection Queen. I never felt like she should get it all back. I felt like making very do this like a Green Lantern, you know, split the energy between people. I think that the five, the Phoenix Five idea was right idea, wrong people. Okay. I think that you have enough to build a new five. Um, you have Echo, who was the champion who earned it through. I put air quotes around earned because she did yeah. not technically win that contest. <laughs> right. But the Phoenix went, oh, poor girl, and went with her in the end. Um, you have Hope, Rachel, and Jean rounding out two, three, and four. Uh, and then y'all can hate me if y'all want to quit and choir. No, I don't have an issue with that. That'd be a good way to resurrect him. And now he's unresurrectable. Because I liked his future self when he was the Phoenix. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm a Phoenix wielder. I wear it on my shit. I'm brazen enough to do it. And also, he has the mind to handle the strain of becoming the Phoenix. Right. Like, let's go there. He's on a mega level telepath, um, quote, unquote. He's capable of handling it. So I do think that should round out who should be the five who wield the Phoenix Force. Like, you do things to it where it goes like, oh, well, because everyone's training a portion of it is not as strong as if they were all five working together. I really feel like they really should explore uh, former Phoenix uh, bearers, like, amongst the X-Men and their experiences now, because definitely there's a thing... They did that, though. They did that already. Well, Colossus and Magic. 
Jean Grey's uh, they issue. They did it when, when um, Jean uh, Jean. Time Displaced Jean uh, was trying to prevent being the new Phoenix host. Uh, so she went around and she trained with all of the previous Phoenix hosts. Hope, Emma, Cyclops, Psylocke randomly, Thor randomly. Um, well, Psylocke was teaching Jean her how to War, make a psychic weapon. Magic, Colossus. Is this an, is this an X-Men blue? Oh, yeah. And then... No, this is a solo. This is like her mini solo. Um, her own book. Just before Jean Grey came back. Literally. She went away. Um, it's a whole situation. called Jean Grey. Yeah. And I, it was I, the I, lead up to Jean Grey Resurrection. Yeah, I need to Google this because I need to go find this now. Now I'm excited. I'm lactating. Yeah, she goes through a whole training arc. She didn't go to all the Phoenix Five. She only went to the big two who did the big thing of betraying each other, uh, Emma and Cyclops. But Colossus and uh, Namor and Ileana kind of got left out of that. So we're also not going to address the fact how the humans got all excited about people uh, being able to kill mutants and stuff again. That was they were crazy. They wish Wafi is well. Moira Big is fuck. is working with both Orcus and the Eternals. I think she's working with the Eternals by proxy. She gave them all their tea. She said, these five people, they had me fucked up. They thought I wouldn't burn this bitch down too. I thought she's game though. I don't feel like she's serious about this. She had the it's me very much all of the psychic and the, the council and told the Eternals, specifically Jack of Knives, to go kill um, the five. They were able to kill Egg, but not anybody, and tried to kill Hope, but Wolverine saved her. And then that allowed them to resurrect Egg so that they can continue. Right, but it's like, she knows about the Sync protocol as well. She knows that Sync can do all of that, and no one went after him. And like, there's also a the whole difference in the place. That hope has to be there because she's the only one they can both regulate and copy. Sink no, hope can do the shit Sink can also throat. replace her. Sink was um, also positioned. He can Sink was positioned to replace anyone in the five. He can fully duplicate Hope's abilities. That's like we. I think we discussed this before. And sync with her. That was the question. That's the thing he doesn't know, is that he developed that secondary mutation to duplicate people who he's duplicated in the past. Um, but foundationally, yeah, like they never also said that um, that hope is explicitly necessary in terms of she cannot die and Sink would not be able to replace her if she were to die at the moment. It's always been explicitly, like in the in, in data page specifically, they said, if any of them die, it can always be synced there to replace them. But they also said in this very same issue that when Egg died, he had to mention, oh, thank God I made some eggs before I died because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to come back. Yeah, True. Uh, Egg is like the 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 least duplicated one of, like, I, he, I think he's the only one to really have a real contingency if something happens to him. It's because his power is also the most physical there. Like, he has to physically do something. 
um, versus everyone else is kind of just psionically manipulating the air around it and doing some bunch of fuck shit. They're doing a lot. He's the one who is like the cradle for everyone to come back to the existence. Um, I would say personally, he's more important than Hope, but he's he's more easier to bring back because all you need to do is have backups situated, and there's like dozens upon dozens upon dozens of backups he's already made. Honestly, from what I recall about him in back in the day, he didn't need to make one at a time. He would make like scores of eggs um, just popping out of his body nonstop. Mm-hmm. He's always working. He's just like Bishop, always keeping a job. Um, but nah, Myra doesn't say she's on her game all the way. Like as lethal as she could be or should be, she's not throwing full punches. I just feel like it's giving me Aqualad in Young Justice when he was like, people were like, is he bad? Is he not? Yeah, he genocided a whole, yeah, she genocided Araco. Until I get confirmation next issue that it's not a genocide in August, um, it's a genocide. Because that's the only thing we have to go on right now is that we see a scores of dead bodies, um, specifically at the uh, the bay, which is the, the neutral ground on Araco. So it's like there is a bunch of dead aliens, a bunch of dead mutants. The air looks tainted. The waters look like putrefied. Like, and he left the surprises, quote unquote, to deal with anyone who has the ability to survive in those climates. So, like, maybe Sabunar got away. Lactuka probably also got away. I'm being realistic. Um, if you're the Omega level version of Manifold, you're not getting caught anywhere. Oh, sure not. You're sure not. not. Fold space and get the fuck up out of here. Bye. She knew he was coming. She knew what he was doing. Idol probably did. Uh, or a Serata. Or a Serata dead. Great power, very powerful ability. I don't think she she struck when she needs to strike. Iska betrayed us uh it's gonna either betrayed us or left yeah we all know that that one definitely survived we'll see her walking around blue that's it just blue just blue iska that's probably where the, um, X-Men Red is going because it looks like it's probably be a fight between... Uh, they're probably pairing up Itzka and Aurora against each other because they've been snowballing that beef for a while. Storm wants to lay hands on her. At this it's going to be beautiful. Think, yeah, at this point, I think Angela Bassett needs it because <laughs> she's doing a lot. Um, um, so yeah, this was a really good. This was a really good um, start to an interesting event. I do like um, what they mentioned in this book earlier about the old gods versus the new gods, kind of like the Olympians versus the Titans. So this mm-hmm. is kind of like what the it's kind of like what it's giving in a um, Marvel sense. So. Um, 
So go ahead, Monte. Oh, sorry. I was just saying I like the um I like the dynamic of it. I like I like where this is heading. So um I think it's gonna be an interesting one. How did y'all feel about the X-Men's response? Like overall Crow's response to the attack? Because I saw people really saying, like, oh, their security is dog shit. Um, where I have my feelings about how they perform. I would argue that I would argue that they were hit in the exact ways that they're vulnerable, but that was the same premise of um, I know it's the thing that nobody wants to ever fucking talk about, but IVX when the mutants attacked the royal inhumans mm-hmm. and got them the fuck together. I think it's going to be something similar where, okay, y'all surprised us, but like, look, bitch, we ain't playing around with y'all. I liked the IVX attack sequence for the X-Men. Like it, Me honestly, too. it was proper. It was accurate. Like if the X-Men want to take you out, they're the motherfuckers you don't want to fuck with. They have every means to get rid of you. Um, and so it wasn't a fair fight. Like, how the Inhumans bounced back from that was ridiculous. Like, the ragtag, new mutants, the new Attilans, uh, new Inhumans coming forward and going, we're going to do it, and they're doing it through Spunk and Can Do and fucking Moon Girl being smarter than everyone. Um, cute. Real cute. Reality speaking, I don't think even Moon Girl probably would have been able to handle the X-Men like they, they wrote that they did. Um, it was just them rushing I to think a conclusion. They, the the story was just that they underestimated and didn't expect the new the new humans to be like a threat in any way. Because they're not. If I'm being like honest, like the Moon Girl is the biggest threat they have, but only because of her intellect, uh, what she can do. But in terms of infrastructure that would be completely able to take them out. And in terms of, like, that idea of underestimating an enemy, it doesn't feel like X-Men. Especially because, like, oh, they're just, she's just a kid. That's not true to what every experience of every X-Men member has ever gone through. Literally, almost each of you as a kid have caught the body. You guys literally train child mm-hmm. soldiers. That's the thing mm-hmm. we don't talk about, but yeah. it's the truth. You do. That was the whole premise of schism. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that and I just go, that doesn't feel accurate. Um, but okay, I'll pretend because I want this whole thing to be done with. Um, but with this, the Unimind, people kept underestimating like everything they were seeing on the page. And it's because they don't read the Eternals comics, which is fine. But I'm like, the Unimind isn't like a joke. Like that's a that's a galactic weapon. That's like if the fucking Technoc virus. Uh, came back in a phalanx. In a phalanx, is that's a phalanx level threat? Is a Unimind? Oh. It's the biggest one we've ever seen. I did the math. That's thirty six Eternals um, total within that Unimind. Oh, that was so. That was so low of them to use the Unimind. That mm-hmm. was so low. But it took four mutants, (laughs) four mutant telepaths to undo all that shit. And that's why I'm pathetic. We talk shit about Xavier, Henry. We talk shit about Xavier. But the bitch can do telepathy. No, I agree. I I I think the thing that's also really interesting about 
did the X-Men show how they needed to show up. Because things are like, anybody <clears throat> can be sucker punched. Anybody can be sucker punched. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think that's a fair assessment of the whole situation. However, if the, if the X-Men go on the offensive, I feel sorry for the Eternals. It's going to be a the fight to them, that's a, that's a different situation. But that's the issue that I noticed. I did not figure out until um, reading this issue. I was like, okay, yeah. And so everyone's like, yeah, now go get the look back. Kill every Eternal. And I was like, they can't. I was like, because the Kokoa Protocol, if they're going to figure out real quick, you kill all the Eternals, a hundred, um, a hundred and one humans have to die. And so they can't really fight to their fullest until the machine is taken down. Because and that would also go against like that would also go against their laws too, right? That kind right. of coincides with their law. They need to get rid of that. They kind Don't of kill nobody that can't come back. The main pitch of this issue so far has been like each side, who is the heroes? And the question isn't like people going, like, oh, well, obviously it's the it's the Eternals. They say, no, that's not the question here. The question isn't like, are the superheroes on each side the heroes? The question is, are you as bad as the people who are spreading like evil in your communities? So like we get the humans cheering for the murder of a whole mutant planet. And then you get the Eternals voting unanimously to genocide the mutant race and going about it any sort of way that they want to. Well, they didn't vote unanimously because Cersei and the girls are like, we ain't with that shit for real. Cersei and the girls remove themselves from the Eternal vote. They're not involved. They didn't vote. But that's kind of like been the main issue so far is that they refuse to participate at all. Um, like they did participate in the vote for Zerus. And literally, I think the votes came down to because they didn't vote, they didn't participate, Thanos won. Like, it wasn't like a grand, like, Henry, it wasn't a big victory. That vote for Thanos to be elected the Prime Eternal was by the skin of their teeth because there's only 100 of them. And of the 100, only about 94 of them have voting privileges. Of the 94, at least 30 don't vote. And so Zorus has only ever gone into the election um, every single time unopposed. Yeah, that's so, a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess over there. That's why we don't do elections at, on the Quiet Council. And that's why the Great Ring is elected by whoever can beat your ass. It's a smarter system, honestly. Because you don't get people like Druig popping up. People... Downcry trials by combat in fiction a lot. They say it's annoying and makes no sense for our government. You get what you get every single time, though. I don't know. I like trials by combat. They um they get to the thick of it real easy. Um, but the issue that I think they were about to face with the the X-Men in the discussion of are they the good guys here is it's like kind of what I think um, if they go with what Showtime said, which is not everyone's going to be dead, which I assume some people got out of Morocco um, fast enough. But it's going to be the question of, do we hold fast to the first law here and we don't kill humans? Or is this going to be a moment where the Iraqi or even other mutants on Krakoa start going, we need to stop cradling humankind like this and just go forward and just kill until we're safe. 
I hope they don't propose that as a fully black and white bad answer, but it's Marvel Comics, and they have an agenda to push, so we'll see. Yes, we will. Okay, I think the last thing we got in this is Sinister being kidnapped. Um, and Ajax and the girls going to the Avengers and saying, um, we just waged war on Araco and Krakoa, but let's not worry about that. We want to make a god, and you guys have the recipe. And also, we got Sinister. Sinister needs to be taken off the uh, Quiet Council ASAP, truly. ASAP, yeah, he, he really, really does. does. He, he was fun while he lasted, but he got to go. Listen... His artificial personality, he's not that cute. He's very pretty. He's immensely dangerous. Mm-hmm. He's extremely dangerous. Um, and, I and I'm happy I never him. forgot he was. Right. And I'm glad they put him on it to keep an eye on him. However, they haven't... They haven't not a good keep, eye. Yeah, they haven't keeping a good eye on him. Anyone else used to be really scared of him? His face used uh, to terrify me. Unless... unless um. Mm-hmm. Unless uh, Forget Me Not has been following him around, which makes a lot of sense. I hope so. I hope they didn't just make Forget Me Not a cop and not like, you know, or Cypher. Make it Cypher. Yeah. We haven't seen Sis in a while. It would make sense. Yeah, she needs to come back. We love her. We love you, Cypher. Um, But yeah, that's it. Oh, last thing. Finally finding out what the heck is. Yeah, those big-ass damn titan things. Those kaiju. Megazords. Yeah, so I'm happy um, our powers of uh, prediction uh, have kicked in. As always, we're now being addressed as the oracles we are. Um, Big-dicked oracles. You know, they're very rare. They don't really pop up in mythology a lot. But we're here, and we're quite potent. Uh, Because we predicted, like, we discussed the hex, and then it happens. What else did we discuss, Henry, that appeared literally in issue every single time we talked about it? It's Iska's weakness. Yes. Um, God, it was something else. No, we just predict shit, shit so much that, you know what? Might as well go with it. Oh, no, I think also um, Storm's leadership of Araco. It's Storm's leadership of Araco um, and what she was doing up there. And the, uh, we, we predicted the formation of a new brotherhood as well. Yeah, we, we did. said distinctly, we want a brotherhood of mutants on Araco because the whole ML matches up. We actually did. We've done a lot, and I think um, we should get our clout for it. So let's milk that shit. Um, so that's all I think we have for Judgment Day. Yep, now on to our circuit party. And scene. All right, so this week for circuit party, we're going to be discussing how annoying you niggas are. Not really, but rarely. Uh, so a lot of people do not really feel like the Iraqi are good representation. I think one of the reasons people cited was that they don't physically look black and therefore they're not good representation at all. Um, oh my God. I have my feelings about 
statements like that but i'm a literary buff and like that comment and that conversation has happened literally since the inception of i want to say genre fiction and pulp fiction um but there's a long-standing history if i if we have time i'll get into it of allegories to blackness and allegories to racial others that literally led to the inception of the x-men comics but now, since representation as a politic is what it is in entertainment, people are now demanding or stating that good consideration should be given towards people who are visibly Black within narratives, um, rather than just narratively or aesthetically. Um, and that poses a good question. Um, based off the principles that we know behind the scenes about the Iraqi, which is not only are they inspired by Egyptian culture, but mm -hmm. literally they are cemented in animated using african tropes and the mutant breed like the mutant kind of africa like if people don't know this little bit of lore african like mutants didn't really exist for a while but there's a few of them but there's not a widespread community of mutants in africa people then went with that to introduce gentle as the only mutant in wakanda because he's he's the only one to quote unquote pop up with the x gene um and they like position it as on top of that. Yeah, they say, like, oh, it's because he's half Russian, so he got his mutantness from his white father. Um that logistically doesn't make much sense. Oh we have talked God. about it at large okay. how dumb that is as a concept. Um, it makes no sense. I think I believe um Showtime once called that biologically inaccurate. I believe that was your direct quote, Showtime. Correct me if I'm wrong. I would hate to get so your it was um, the X-Men movie said that um, the X gene is passed along by the mother. Mm -hmm. By the father. No, it was by the yeah. father. Which yeah, doesn't father. make any fucking sense because if it was by the father, then that would mean it would have to be on the Y chromosome and then only men would be mutants, which mm -hmm. doesn't make any fucking sense. Like a recessive, that would be the argument that the women have recessive X gene. We know a recessive X gene is one that just doesn't kick in um, without right. And, but influence. then there's all of the best X Men are women, so like it doesn't. Yeah, doesn't the most powerful, most like the most powerful X Men are women. A lot of Omegas are men. We can talk about why that is, but <laughs> um, all the women are typically not the most powerful if not the most skilled of the X-Men. Um, mm -hmm. By the way, Showtime, I just saw your shirt. Love it. So for, because yeah. this is a, an uh, audible podcast and not a visual one, the it's shirt that I'm wearing, um, the shirt that I'm wearing is a scene from X-Men where uh, Storm is yelling out to the Morlocks that she is now their leader. Um, and instead of it saying uh, Morlocks, being what um, Storm is yelling out, it says gays. Gays, I am your mother. Storm, and I'm <laughs> now your leader. My word is law. Um, and I think this was Chango's design. Chango ATX. Gays, um, I am now your mother. My word is your law. Banji. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, basically that has been the widespread narrative. However, with the arrival of the Iraqi, we now know that Okara existed. And a lot of the mutants there in Africa would have then gone on to Araco and the Amenthief Wars. So that would explain why you don't see as many. Um, that type of upheaval 
but I just know about gene- genealogy and history. Uh, the disappearance of an entire continent of mutants carrying the gene would dramatically impact the amount of mutants in the continent of Africa. Not for a long-standing time, but for the amount of time that they vanished away from, like, I think it was about uh, 2,000 years, roughly, give or take. It's fine. 5,000 years. Um, that would manifest it. They should bounce back by now. It was just like we see a lot more African mutants popping up. Um, shout out to Oya. But fundamentally... One, one question, though. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to Act Judgment Day temporarily... They mentioned in there that Morocco had one million mutants, that Krakoa had like two hundred thousand or something. Like that. No, it said one million, and then Krakoa had like two hundred thousand or something like that. But previously, they said that Morocco had like twenty times as many mutants as um, Krakoa did, and at the time, Krakoa had like a million something. So, what happened to all the other fucking mutants? They die every day. <laughs> they left the Salmonar's ocean and it's just fucking around in there. Um, that's, that's millions of mutants. Uh, Araco had like 20 million mutants itself. Yeah, they just like they just updated it. The last thing we just saw was the population being 2 million. I believe it fluctuates a lot because A, like Salmonar just said that he just birthed like a bunch of mutants in the ocean in like a fortnight. B, Xylo. Xylo is an organism made of billions of mutants or millions. I don't know how the exact number they say he's a multi-organism, like he's a hive mind, basically. So I'm not sure if they're counting him sometimes, but I wouldn't be surprised if Cerebro is counting each individual organism that composes Xylo in that. So that would make sense to me. These are head cannons mostly. It might just be someone fucked up the uh the math on that. But it's it's not impossible that they are also constantly killing mutants. Like, um, how many incidents have popped up on Araka where a bunch of people just died and people just shrugged their shoulders and went, "Oh well." Well, I think not, and not, like death is death and war are different things for Arakan mutants, and I also think that like um, Arakan mutants are really um, uh, <laughs> a, a alien past and black people, but that's just me. Um, but I think that people I like that term. Because they are the alien passing black people. Like, mm-hmm. like if their genealogy goes all the way back to to them being from an isolated area. Okay, let's let's just let's say this. Let's 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 really think about this critically. Not saying you guys are not, but the outside. This is called like, radical imagination, Henry. Let's do it. Imagination. So like imagine if you pick up Everybody out of Prince George's County, Maryland, and everybody from George's County, Maryland is pretty black. For the most part, the populace is pretty black. Probably about like three to five percent are non-black. So eventually, as we are going through, you know, mating and generational mating and, and all these other things going on within these groups, eventually you're gonna have everybody evolved to what works best. Prime example is like black people evolving sickle cells to deal with malaria. Prime thing of, of, of natural selection. These things happen. I think the thing that people are not also realizing is that amongst 
their society, they also were put into another space of another universe in Amens and then bred with those people, kind of like Cro-Magnons and um, Neanderthals, which gave us the modern-day human, pretty much. I think mm-hmm. people don't realize that, like, when you when you have isolated groups and they meet isolated groups, they make something very unique and something very special. They are mm-hmm. still biologically and intrinsically Black people, but because of their mixing with the amen, you know, beings, whatever they are, they have these different things going on. But then also you have the anomalies like Iska, Fisher King, Idol, some of these more human-passing mutants. And then, and then the Fisher King itself is completely human-passing, completely. Yeah, and I think that's one part of their argument is that, oh, well, you got Fisher King, he doesn't look black. I said, that's a that's that's a misnomer in itself. You can't really dictate yeah, what also, looks black. Also, also, <laughs> also, like, delineates the idea of white passing black people. Like, just because we're all, like, you know, not with 4C hair and, you know, you know, dark brown does not mean that we're not black. And I, and I think it's also, like, the problem sometimes with identifying race and understanding it and our preconceived notions of race and then being like, like all of us in this group are intrinsically and phenotypically black. All of us are in this group. So it is like, if we get stopped by the cops, yeah, cause we're black, obviously, but you have someone like Fisher King who can really navigate both societies and show the same society that he's of his origin. And you tell me that man, not black. I'm like, he looks North African to me. Like, he looks like but he's North saying, African. Like, that's yeah, like, so like, it's like... like it's... Where they were located, it makes sense that there is a light skin, like, not, not like, maybe like a like a 2B hair type person on a Rocco through some progressive gene that has landed millions of years later. Like, I, I don't understand, like, how that is, like, inconceivable. People it, don't it, read books. We go back to my point about PG County... Dells have three to five percent of non-black people genetically are going to mix into the pool, and then one day we're gonna have an Asian-looking black person. We do not know why, because and like, go ahead, Frank. There are conversations about phenotypical blackness that go hand in hand with like privilege and like different cultural milestones or social political aspects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those things aren't invalidated by the understanding that also someone's phenotype. And their blackness can be completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, they're still very black. Like, even, like, some people... I saw a few people discussing on TikTok, as they do. Uh, like, I'm Egyptian, and, like, people ask me all the time, like, I'm African, but am I black? It's, like, a completely different of a head fuck. They're, like, it's a... It's a, it's a phenotypical, like, backflip on top of a thousand different things, because to be black also have these political connotations to it. Right, um, right. And so I can be African, but to be Black requires a background that he's just like that a lot of Egyptians do not feel like it just matches up. That, does, that doesn't mean to say that there aren't people in Africa who do not feel like their background matches the identity of being Black. There are specific groups they talk about that like they feel connected to a sense of Blackness. However, there are others who don't. It depends on who you ask. Really, it's a very nuanced observation about the area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These characters wouldn't know what black means because they come from an right. era where black didn't exist. Right. However, they come from what is we call um, tropes. 
Right. Arako is a dark continent. What dark continent is, is an allegory to the mad rush to exploit Africa during the colonial period, where right. it was a new land, quote unquote. People had a lot of mysteries about it, and people rushed to exploit whatever mystical qualities might exist there. They also did this in North America. Within that aspect, it created a culture of drawing parallels to indigenous people, um, their practices and everything. That's the whole base of x Red, is Arako is a dark continent. Abigail Brand wants to exploit it, and she also wants to destabilize it and remove it as a powerhouse so that she can usurp it and become in charge of basically the progression of the soul system throughout the wider universe the wider galactic interest she is a colonizer yes the people she is colonizing are drawing direct parallels to actual history you're not it's not a big leap for a bunch of black people to read what happened to the rocco calling themselves the lost people discussing how they have their own culture their own identities knowing that they are mutant but also saying we're not mutant like these other people are mutants we're cousins they have a place here they have a role here even that being a really scandalized topic, but they're like, but we see each other and at most we have conversations with each other and we have different worldviews on things that we find the other side to be weirdly, weirdly behaved and structured in. But we are trying to come to terms with each other and we're trying to figure out how to move forward with acknowledging us as not as one half, but as a total whole. Exactly. So, what's your answer, Showtime? Remind me of the actual question, because we talked about a lot since the question. <laughs> Are, is Arako good representation for Black audiences? I think um, that that's the intention of it, but I would like to see... Uh, more Black folks actually participate in the writing of that. I know um, Al Ewing has spoken about being intentional about the Iraqis to be uh, one-dimensional, we just fight all the time type folks. So he's being intentional about writing them uh, more nuanced than that. I know some other writers have been talking about doing the same thing, um, but I haven't heard any Black writers uh, as part of that. Uh, discussion of how to handle the Iraqis. So I would like to see more Black folks participate in that. Uh, but to me, so far, they sort of really are the Black mutants, if you will. Um, they So they, they play out that way to me. But I also understand that they're relatively new characters um, that need to be fleshed out better. And I would like to see more Black folks participate in that fleshing out. Bonte? Um, I think that they are as close to a representation for Black people as we're going to get. Um, I do agree with Showtime. It doesn't, but we do need more Black, you know, Black writers in in the room or whatever. But um, it's in the same sense that um, where they say that the X Men are um, basically they basically stem from the civil rights movement and everything. And um, we have like a select few um, black, actual like black mutants on a squad. 
You see what I'm saying? I think that they can have a lot more, uh, more throw in a bit more Iraqi news with actual black features. Just to appease the audience. That's all I'll say. But not saying that we don't have them, but I think they can throw in some, they can throw in more. But I don't disagree. I just think that it depends on the artist. That's the weird thing about yeah. like that comment is that it ranges like it's gonna supposed to have black features. Do we always get her written with drawn with one? No, and it's because the artist can't do it, and I would rather them not if they know they can't. <laughs> like I don't want to see your bad reinterpretation of old Oliver Copiel's, uh, you know. Depiction of black features. If you can't draw black lips, don't try. And that's why right. we get a lot of the flattening of Iska and like her armor becomes a part of her skin for some reason. Mm-hmm. And like those misinterpretations happen so often. Like Storm doesn't always get written with draw, drawn with uh, black features. Yeah. Bishop doesn't always get drawn with black features. Um, fuck. Boya. Oh, yeah. Afro be looking yeah. all over the place sometimes. But which oh, child, which it'd be ghetto. Yeah, they be doing my girl mom. My daughter. <laughs> Why? You have so many black X-Men? We can say it's because the hairstyle was in vogue, with, only with sake. The other ones, they can't draw black hair. Yeah. Which goes back to, like, the, you know, the statement that they need more black people in the world, because I'm like, if you have black characters or you have characters that are... Um, that are supposed to represent, you know, a certain, um, you know, a certain race or, you know, a certain group of people or whatever, you know, I feel like for me, if you're not capable of, you know, and I'm not saying like, you know, that it has to be like, you know, every single time, but I'm like, if you're doing a story that's centered around uh, Black characters or characters that are, you know, supposed to represent Black people, you know, it would be, you know, ideal to have, like, at least a couple Black artists in a room that can show you, like, hey, you know what, I'll draw, you know, full of lips, you know, you know, a wider nose, you know, something. You know, that's just, that's just me. But I do, I do think that the Iraqi are as close to um, Black representation as we're, you know, as we're going to get. I can honestly say that I can honestly say that they're black. They're black mutants. To me, I always thought that they had their Timberland boots ready when they ready to fight. They put on their Tims. They put on their shorts <laughs> or some <laughs> something. But it's beautiful, Henry. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I know you pretty much uh, conscripted everything, but your observations. Reactions of, of them being black, the representation of black people, of my representation of black people, what I think black people are in regards to the Iraq I mutants. Yes, yeah, yes. Um, I think we have like two very interesting things going on here. Um, you have one lens of black people who have. Well, let me say mutants. We have one lens of mutants raised in a, in a warlike society, fending for themselves, figuring out, working together as a community, and different things like that. And and the thing and the thing that I will say about the Araka mutants is that like Kakroa and Araka present two very possible future identities for Black people when there is alignment. Um, and I think the Araka mutants 
are a society with a governing body that does not dominate or manipulate or control in the same way that that Krakoa's government body does. But I do see that both societies have things where we fully aligned as a group how we could be successful. But I will say that Krakoa is immensely behind uh, the social, political, social, e economical eight ball that Araco is not. And I and I think that I like I like Araco because they have their own sense of justice. And the thing is that like while they always spoke of as a warlike society, you can really avoid combat if you kind of just mind your business like the Fisher King, or if you go for what you want, like Sunfire did, you know, I'm going to burn your house down, take what I want. And also presenting the opportunity, too, that like when you're in the specific zone of Morocco, the safe zone is a non-fighting zone. I don't, I don't know if you can take a residence there, but I'm pretty sure every Morocco mutant does not want to fight all the time. Like, they probably like, look, I'm trying to, like, get laid. You know, like, what's that, what's that nigga name? Solemn, the one who's out here, like, you know, fucking and, and uh, being a pirate and shit. Like, everyone has different designs and, and natures, and I think the one thing that, that a rock eye meetings do very well is understand consent from what I'm seeing. Like, you're consistently living a culture where you might get your ass whipped. <laughs> and versus us having to go through the mm -hmm. whole pain command of trying to figure out, like, you know, due process and all the other things. Not the, the thing. We have those things in a, in a uh, colonialistic society because we have, we have to have those things. But in a society where, like, it's not, it's not separate from colonialism, that we, you know, like, you, you ate my last chicken wing. I'll see you, I'll, <laughs> I'll see you in a circle perilous at noon. I'm not playing. I'll see you at noon because my nigga, you ate my last chicken. I had the Tony Saturday season on it too. You fucked up my. Also, it's life. not to the death, yeah. and that big caveat is important. They're not. So they're you can yield anytime you want to, and we'll stop. You'll just have to admit that you lost to me, and yeah. that's not a bad thing. And it's, and it's like street cred. It's like we handle our own neighborhood, you know, justice, whatever. But I think the thing that's like I, that's what I kind of like about that. I feel like. Krakow is a little intellectually dishonest sometimes about like mm -hmm. what they're really experiencing, what they're really doing, and that really was touched on heavily. Thank you again, Victor Laval, for Saber Truth for unpacking some of those things around desirability, who's allowed to break the law, who's not allowed to break the law, and those are very colonialistic things. But those things will happen in Morocco, and, and it becomes a thing of like, who's a better society? And I have to say that Black people untethered or un, uh, or not introduced to colonialism allow them to thrive in this way where they have society where we have a government body we have we have some surface rules about what's going on but with all fair rights and intention you have to protect yourself also there's no misogyny homophobia queerphobia transphobia any identity politics in in their society they kind of just like all right, I'm going to be like a bug-like looking thing and I'm going to get loose. And we're the only thing they out. have is the only thing they have is the religion thing. Like, that's kind of fair. Yeah, the religion Honestly, thing, the religion thing is and, fair. <laughs> and, and, and also acknowledging everybody's weapon. Like, you have this type of weapon. You have your weapon list because you don't have an, a physically active ability. You have a passive But they gave ability. her, basically, what they gave her was like um, a disability aid. Right, and, and it's I'll, basically the equivalent. 
They what? gave her that we gave you swords in your arms. So in case you ever gotta defend yourself, girl, yeah, use like, them. Ever has an opportunity to be the best version of themselves in Morocco. And I like that. And I don't and I don't think I mean, while it may not give room for like, you know, writers or creatives in that way, um, and even in in, in, in some twisted way, Tarney Youngcut was a was a creator in his own way. He he mm-hmm. to me he was a he was a much more refined sinister. He's a sinister with morals. Yeah, and and, 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 I, and I think that's... he's a sinister that was competent. Yeah, sinister just be fucking up uh, into things. A, a sinister with integrity—that's the word. And I think that people don't respect the fact that the Rock Eye meetings are like you know they're not just like they they they've had to make some selective choices. They've been through some shit, and here we are, and they survived it. And like and and it's a thing of like we're never going to allow that to happen to us again. And also the thing. And, 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 Acknowledge and, trauma. And, and the things that, like, no shade to anybody in this podcast, but they're kind of like us. Whatever interpersonal issues we've had as a group um, have gone on behind the scenes, but in front, you're not going to talk shit to us. Period. We may disagree about things within this podcast. We all have had disagreements. However, as a united front, the rock out meetings are united front. You now and, and especially like now, because I'm really curious about how this is gonna play out with the rock out meetings after this, because like they basically are the Medeas of the Marvel universe. You know, if, if I, I gotta get them before I get got. Like, so since I gotta get you before you get me, so before I get got. So now I gotta get you while I'm getting the guy. No, Xavier gonna look at the side. Eye for an eye makes everyone blind, and I hope they shoot him when he says that shit. Nah, fuck that shit. Because it's right. They're hundred. They won't. I feel like they're not even angry about it. I feel like Krakoa is gonna start crying about it, and the rest of the Iraqis is gonna go, "No, we wanted this." Because they address like there are people, and I'm happy that Aura Serata addressed it as like a problem and not like, "Oh, yeah, everyone here loves war." She's like, "No." It's a problem. There's war addicts here in Araco who cannot stop fighting. And they look and hunt for any reason to get into conflict. Right. Their wars aren't honorable. It's not about anything. It's right. just they cannot stop chasing the sensation of victory. Right. And I fuck with that I that that like breakdown of it as being a toxic form of their culture. Um, but in the same way, they don't back down from a fight. Dude, look at a situation like this as what it is. It's an all challenge. These niggas wanted to kill us. They tried. It was cute. They nearly did it. Now do it again. And also, you can't, the, the Krakoa mutants cannot dictate to the Iraqi mutants about how they respond to their own violence. You can't tell them because mm-hmm. it's like, we're going to do what we got to do. And also, Storm is not going to stop them either. Listen, niggas swore Storm is a pacifist queen, ditherer. I feel like Storm was ready to knock. <laughs> yeah, like it's not gonna be a situation where like, oh, I was like, oh, 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 y'all, oh, y'all, y'all messing with the cousins. Okay, well, we're not gonna stop them. Best of luck to you. All right, we're out. And and I'm pretty sure like the Krakow muse like literally like, okay, we are gonna step out of the room because we didn't see shit. We don't know shit. What happened between y'all and these four walls is none of our business. But y'all hit first, you know, get whatever you get. You like you talk shit, get hit. 
What did Cordelia say in that last season, the good uh in uh American Horror Story Apocalypse? I outrank you. <laughs> and they do. They're the throne of the soul system. Yeah. And I and I also like the fact that they how they addressed um it, well in X-Men Red, how they addressed um the Iraqis need to be strong or whatever. Um, which also kind of takes you back to kind of like how, you know, black people are always expected to be strong all the time or whatever. So they had this misconception that the Iraqi have to be strong or Iraqi or strong willed or, you know, whatever the case may be. And the Fisher, I think it was Magneto and the Fisher King that was having this conversation. And then the Fisher King was, um, was saying that the, um, it's not necessarily true that, you know, the Iraqi are, you know, are just strong all the time. You know, we acknowledge weakness, but that's where our strength comes from. So it kind of like puts you in the mind, like, you know, we're expected, we're expected to be strong all the time. We're expected to, you know, handle things, you know, handle things in like the, 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 I guess strongly, but you know, it's it's nothing wrong with also acknowledging your weaknesses or you know acknowledging certain traumas that you've been through and you know take taking the steps to get through it. Mm-hmm. I may probably be overlooking it, but that's kind of how I took it. I like how they kind of address that kind of kind of it kind of goes hand in hand. You know what I'm saying? Because they've been through trauma, you know, and then that's also a representation of black folks because black folks go through trauma all the fucking time but we're still expected to be strong and we're still expected to handle things, you know, you know, strongly, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why I also see where Oris, that's why I'm like, there's so many parallels in the Iraqi. Like is the reason why we identify with them like on this podcast period. Um, so well is because a lot of what they represented and what they talked about and what they went through was familiar. It was a lot of it was familiar. A lot of it felt like this is, the writing team attempting to have a conversation directly with the black fan base who have always been neglected kind of in the X-Men run, especially in that era when they went, Oh, the X-Men mutants have nothing to do with race. We're going to flip it to be about queer politic without even acknowledging how race and queerness can overlap in the way that it does. Um, and so I, I personally don't respect the idea that it can't be good representation because of, some rule about physical appearance because that invalidates the literary aspects of what graphic novels are. Like I know a lot of people go like, oh, comics are a visual medium. I'm like, yes, there is also such thing as narrative in literature and within the graphic novels that says these things like an allegory can exist. And that is in itself a valid form of representation. Um, we're meant to look at these people who call themselves literally a lost tribe. Um, and African-Americans in particular have always been called a lost tribe of Africa. We don't really do that anymore. If you're white, you're listening to us, don't call us lost. That's not cool. That's not okay. That's not cute. Um, and that's why I respect X-Men Red for making that topic a conversation a lot more nuanced. It's like aura going, like, when I say lost, I actually mean tra- traumatized. Um, we have trauma. We're broken in a way that is we're trying to figure out how to fix, and it's only been a year. Yeah, um, we lost our infrastructure, which is the only reason why I think Orion's could do what he did. They didn't have their generals anymore. They did not have the four horsemen who literally spearheaded all their operations, despite not being Omegas. They did not have Genesis. They didn't even have Red. Oh, the horsemen sort of stand in 
as Arako's uh, war captains. War captains. Mm-hmm. Same number and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're very powerful. Like, those are some powerful motherfuckers. Like, I think the Exosaurus event kind of did a lot to undermine them uh, by not being a direct combat-oriented conflict. They're very strong. Uh, and so it should be respected. They lost the summoners who also ran their military. That's like your major troops. Like they lost a lot in that battle. And so now they have to deal with this. And now the people who conquered them are also trying to tell them what to do. It's not, it's not cute. And so, yeah, when people saw that happen to Araco, it can invoke feelings that aren't all positive, but you know, it's a part of the narrative. We're meant to feel these things. We're meant to look at it as an atrocity and look at the Eternals for what they're doing as wrong. And you also can uh, tell people how to feel about their experiences. But that's not how that's not how the internet ding, ding, works. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, the because, internet. Uh, people like, want to tell you. Yeah, because I, I I do like you know, but going back to the X Men Red aspect, the um. Um, going back to X-Men Red, excuse me, I like how they also addressed it because they were talking about how people, um, it's basically like they're trying to tell them how to handle themselves and how to handle like certain experiences and stuff. It's like you can't tell people or this group of this group of mutants how to handle their trauma and their experiences or come in there and try to change up their shit. You know, you can't just, you can't just change that. That's why I respected the argument between Iska and Aura Serrata so much, because those those bitches don't like each other. And I fucked with the reason why they didn't like each other. They both had valid reasons. Iska felt the most passionately about everything that they're going through. And Aura's like, you only want to go back to war because you're only acceptable during wartime. Like, everything you are, everything you exist, you can't even vote on this council because every vote you do is triggered. You have nothing that is worthy of being honored in our system unless we were at war. It's some good storytelling. It's just, it's just eats. Also, um, I want to point out another one on the topic of Aura Serata real quick before we uh, pivot out. There's an aura on the Eternals. I saw that in the list. Oh, um, there's an aura, yeah. And I was looking at that a lot recently, and I was like, huh. And the whole thing about, like, not all Eternals look like, you know, um, humans. And then I thought about how powerful her ability really is. And I was like, they don't have any mutant detection um, on Arako, do they? And remembering the fact, like, yeah, the Eternals would have existed back when Okara existed. My my theory right now is Oris Frada is secretly an Eternal. You think so? That'd be a twist. She has secrets. She don't talk about shit. And she put herself in charge of the laws regarding um, Arako. I guess we'll see. We'll see. It might not mm-hmm. actually pan out, but it was something I'd start thinking about. Maybe this might have the same name. Could just be that. I don't know. 
But thank you guys for stopping. For next week, do you have any comments we're looking forward to since we're not getting any X-Men comments really until next month? Wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. Next month. Isn't... Judgment Day. Like, what's the next comic in the X Men run list? Oh God, are we doing this right now? Oh, hold on, look, I'm, I'm gonna tell you. Yes, we I'm always have up. to do this. Well, Spider Man number nine is not coming out. Oh, until we, the only X Men comic, the only X Men comic we get next week is uh, the throwback Gambit by um, Chris Claremont. Child, we didn't even discuss their reaction to Gambit's death because it was not worthy of, of, of discussing Knights of X. Like, the only thing next week is Gambit, like, Gambit and Patch. I guess we're, I guess we have a, a weekend all. Because we're not reading that shit. Yeah. We could maybe catch up on X Men Unlimited on the uh, Limited series. I, I saw they brought Triage yet. in. They brought in Triage. Triage oh, is in cool. it. They had a whole Marauders team that was Triage, Birdie, Alchemist, Brother, Nature. Um, I saw like both of it online, else? but I know where it was other from. Uh, Wind Dancer. Yeah, yeah. I saw yeah, the weekend Triage justified the five. Yeah, they're really no. They changed his power so that he doesn't reconstitute oh, you when he reanimates you. He, he can resurrect. Didn't they have the line? Heal you. He can't do both. Oh, so they made it, but he, but, but he did that to, to Cyclops. He he did that. He he did. I remember. He I saw it. Him, but he had. He wasn't. He wasn't um, deteriorated. So like, if he had started rotting, he can't heal your rot. Your you deteriorating after you die. I feel like that's not a reason for him not to be a part of the five. I feel like that's easily fixable. I mean, I. But his power is resurrection, Showtime fixed and it. not biokinesis. Showtime, you specifically need to go fix this. You specifically need to walk okay. up to Marvel I and will, fix it. I, because you know triage is, is my girl. Yes, you specifically. Oh, just, is there anything you want to tell, about, uh, tell us about um, you time traveling back to Hellfire Gala? No, look at that. Okay. Top secret missions. All right. So, thank you all for stopping by this week. We love you. We appreciate you. Above no other. Thank you. Peace. 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 Peace